Hello, beautiful people. My new play, Sheila and Moby, is now playing at Flying V Theater, directed by Courtney Lane Self. When Sheila, a successful young businesswoman, returns to her hometown, she is immediately swept into a tale of intrigue, suspicion, and adventure involving a six-year-old neighbor girl's missing stuffed animal. Sheila reluctantly enlists the aid of her own childhood stuffed animal, an Iberian lynx named Moby, to solve the case. Sheila and Moby bears more than a striking resemblance to a comic strip you may love, one that ran from, say, 1985 to 1995 and was also about a six-year-old child and their stuffed feline. Maybe. Sheila and Moby, by me, Patrick Flynn, and directed by Courtney Lane Self, now playing at Flying V Theater. Visit flyingvtheater.com for tickets and performance information. How did you get there from here, Mr. Shepard? What did you have to go through? How did you get there from here, Mr. Shepard? Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. Susanna Pretzer is Flying V Theater's literary manager and has been working on Sheila and Moby about as long as Jason Schlafstein and I have. Visit flyingvtheater.com for tickets and performance information. During development, I invited her on the podcast and she chose this show that you may not have heard of at the time, but I'm pretty sure you've heard of now. Enjoy the episode and come see Sheila and Moby now playing at Flying V Theater. Visit flyingvtheater.com for tickets and performance information. I don't, I don't know who your audience is, but I bet they don't care about my Creative Commons. Well, write research. in and tell us if you care about Creative Commons. That's. I was sort of figuring this wouldn't be in the uh, podcast. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm going to leave I in. I have no I idea. I could edit this out. I could it put can it be in. like in YouTube where they say edit this out all the time and they leave it in because they're like authenticity. I could put this, I could put this after the credits. As, as the blooper reel. As, as a cold open at the beginning. I can put this wherever I want. I should I should be more careful about what have I to, say. Yeah, no, I'm in total control. <laughs> Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a dramaturg who has worked at Only Theater, Manhattan Theater Club, Premier Stages, and The Inkwell. She's currently the literary manager for Flying V Theater, Susanna Pretzer. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good here on this late evening, late night recording. It's, is, is it late for It's you? for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's really Sorry. For me. This is, no, that's good. This is when we could do this. It's, it's, it's true. It's nighttime on the internet, and uh, we're going to get down to it, and we're going to talk about... Be more chill. I don't want to be a hero. Just want to stay in the line. I'll never be robbed in Nero. For me, Joe Pesci is fine. And so I follow my own rules and I use them as my tools to stay alive. I don't want to be special. No, no. I just want to survive. Which is a Joe Iconis musical with the book by Joe Trace. But yes. I guess, well, there's actually some book on the album. So, so this, uh, this, this, this is going to fall into the, to, into, I'm trying to come up with a cooler way to say this, but like, this is a Zeitler episode. Amanda will be happy that I do this. I never heard of this show um, okay. before yeah, you said sure. you wanted to do it. It is, however, much, much more recent than than a lot of the shows. It's actually the most recent. You couldn't, you almost couldn't get more recent. Well, it's it's from 2015. From 2015, so you could have had one from it's last like year. Like a year and a half, you could, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is uh, it is a very is much more recent show. So I don't feel quite as bad and not having not, no, heard of it. Of course. Um, so how did this show come into your into your life? I mean, I'm I'm a pretty large uh, Joe Iconis fan. Okay. So I've been following his work since. 
probably 2009. Okay. Um, so, you know, through college and all of that. So um, I, I was following this show long before it actually existed. Okay, so you were, you were on the, on the yeah. Joe Iconis trail finding what his next show was going to be. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then I, I was able to go to New Jersey to see it. Oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, I got the album once there was an album. Right. All right. So this this was through Joe Iconis. You didn't know the book at all. I before. didn't, but I read it before I went to see the show. Oh, okay. So I I only read it because I was going to see the show, right. but <laughs> I did read it, and the musical is better. Oh, okay. And I, I'm not right. I'm not usually a person who says that about adaptations. Sure. But I I did have some issues with the novel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a bad book, but um, I had some issues with how it all wrapped up, and so I was very pleasantly surprised then when I actually saw the show that he just sort of they threw away the ending and, and totally redid it. Oh really? The oh okay. From Pitiful Children on is it's all original totally to the musical. Different ending. Oh, okay. We'll talk about so, the plot in yeah. a second. Um but it's interesting to me, I had also never heard of Joe Iconis before mm-hmm. you recommended the show. Sure. So how did Joe Joe uh, Iconis come into I mean I, I just had a friend who took me to see Things to Ruin uh, back at that time. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah she, she was into Joe Iconis through John Gallagher Jr. doing one of his well, shows, you know, yes, so it was like no. one of these sort of a favorite of this podcast, uh, John Gallagher one of those, Jr. Yeah, those things. Okay, um, but so it was like I, I didn't Awakening even, to Joe. I didn't Iconis care. To... I mean, I've never seen Spring Awakening. I, I don't sure. really. I that's not my background, but um, you know, I had a friend who was sharing this with me. Okay, and I just got really into it. Okay, so very cool. So why this show though, than not the other one? Of the um, other Joe well, he. There aren't a lot of cast album uh, of Joe Iconis okay. shows. Um, uh, Blood Song of Love never got a cast album. Hopefully, it will eventually mm-hmm. if it gets produced again. Black Suits doesn't have one. Um, Thinks to Ruin does have a cast album, but it's it's really a song cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought maybe. Well, actually, I guess the real reason is that Jason told me what what show I was doing. <laughs> Actually, but I'm, it made it easier for me. I, was, I didn't know if you were going to bring that up, so I didn't want to bring. Jason yeah. Slavstein. Jason uh, Slavstein has a is a is is very good for me for this podcast because there's more than one occasion where somebody's. Been, I said I want you on the show. The person has said I have no show to do, and he has immediately said to them, "What about this?" Well, for be more and for you, chill, it was instantly. He said, "Well, do be more chill." Well, he. It's also because I may talk to him too much about be more chill. Just in general, I've been trying to get him to listen to Joe Iconis because mm-hmm. I think um, he would vibe with it. And the the other one that uh, that was this year's was uh, Broadway Bounty Hunter, which I also mm-hmm. think um, is a relevant one. But also that doesn't have a cast doesn't album cast either. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that leaves. All right. But I do. I think I have talked a lot about Be More Chill. Um, mm-hmm. Just just in general. Well, you know, it's sci-fi. I, I love me some sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, it's a lot of things. It's, it's a kind lot of, of things. It's a lot of things on it top is. of each other. So that's it a good is. segue into um, what is this? This is an interesting thing. I like I say, I'd never heard this album before. Mm-hmm. I'd never even heard of the show, and I listened to the cast album, and I think I know exactly what this show's about. I didn't read any notes or anything, but can you tell everyone what "Be More Chill" is about? Yeah. So it's it's a high school sort of YA story, uh, sci-fi story about a kid who's sort of, you know bottom half of the social strata but not the very bottom and but he's not thrilled about that and uh he 
you know, wants to be popular and whatever. So he obtains a pill that uh, implants a, a supercomputer in his brain that will tell him what to do to be popular and get the girl and all the things. Okay. And then... And then pandemonium. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has other side effects like you know alienating him from his friend, and uh, you know making him kind of a jerk, and he sort of has to struggle with whether or not this is a good situation. And then the pill, which is the squip. Yes. Right, which stands for something. It does. I can't remember what it is. He says it late in the supercomputer quantum something. It really doesn't make yeah, any difference. It's a thing. Jeremy here. Welcome to your super quantum unit Intel processor. Your squip. The squip then spreads itself out to the rest of the school. That yeah, that's that's him. the ending that is not. Uh, that's not what happens in the book. Oh, okay. So see, yeah. this is really interesting. So how does so the, the stakes what go way in, up in the musical? What happens in the book? In the book, um, basically, he. I'm trying to remember because I have listened to the musical a lot more than I've read the book. Um, he, there's the the party and you know the fight with Michael and Who's uh, his, best his best friend, right? Okay, so the book ends up with it's like he wrote this book to try to explain himself to Christine, who is. The girl that is the reason that he wanted a squip. Right. Um, and so it ends as like, here's why I screwed things up. Um, in but hmm. okay. But I'm trying. I don't remember how he actually screwed things up because it wasn't the squip taking over the school. Is, is Rich in the in the book? The character who there gives is, him the squib and then Rich, gets sort of devoured by it. It's different. Should we look it up? I did look it up. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> okay. Shoot. I don't remember. I okay, don't remember. Fine. This is about the... This is about the musical. Anyway. Yeah. I'm just, right. I'm just curious because... Like, yeah. I, it's a much smaller scale uh, conflict for, for the end of the story. And it's really yeah. about him, like, screwing up his chances with Christine and then trying to be like, see, I'm not a jerk. Sure. Um, by explaining his side. Except that actually the book, the actual... Te- if you think about... It is in terms of him presenting the text of the book to her. Mm-hmm. It's like really objectifying of her in the book. And you're like, oh, okay. do you really want her to read this? Right. I don't think you want her to read this. Anyways. Huh. Okay. Um, but that's not how the musical ends. That's no, not so, how the musical So the musical ends. to me has, I, 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 I mean, it's interesting that you say that because this musical has three very clear parents to me, mm-hmm. structurally speaking. And they are Heather's. Bye Bye Birdie, and Little Shop of Horrors. I wouldn't have necessarily thought of Bye Bye Birdie. That's okay, interesting. Bye Bye Birdie gets in there only because of the... Actually, I should have said Bye Bye Birdie first. Um, because Bye Bye Birdie's in there because of the telephone... Oh, sure, sure, sure. The, yeah, absolutely. They do, they do that parody that song of the telephone is absolutely hour. absolutely first. OMG, Brooke, answer me. Look, wait until I tell you what I saw. Ignore. And also space and frowny I'm sorry that Jeremy made out with me at the party, but it was totally his fault. And let's not let boys ever come between us ever again, okay? Smiley face, lipstick, kitty paw. Hey, we cool? We are. Okay, so. At the end of last night's party, did you see Rich? No, I was crying. So he's behaving weird, and I was frightened, because I feared his state was heightened. So that's why. Bye bye, Birdie. And it's Joe Iconis's, I think, only to date, like, big dance number that he's done. So he just sort of, like, 
went for it and made it as ridiculous as possible. I think, yeah, and it works. I mean, it's yeah, very it's, funny. It's funny. It builds it's funny. really nicely, and, and it's, it's long, but it. This it, whole thing is really great. I, I got to say, it was. I thought of Heather's, not the movie actually, but the, the musical. musical. Yeah, um, which I like better than the movie. Um, oh, that's interesting. I mean, they're I really, very different. They're very but different. I, I do prefer for the a lot movie. of the same reasons that you were saying. You prefer the book, the the, mu- the, the musical, musical to the to book. Would be more chill. I, I prefer the musical to the movie. I think it takes its characters a little more seriously and takes the stakes of the show a little more. The movie a little more. The, I love the movie. I should say. I, I really like both of them, but I would err on the other side personally. I, I, For the movie, yeah, I totally, the movie. I, absolutely. I, I think I think there were some I was... things I felt like the musical didn't go far enough with the fact that this is a musical and like it has a song called like "I Love My Dead Gay Son." Like right. I wanted it to be. I think that goes pretty far. <laughs> I don't know. I wanted more. I, <laughs> I wanted think that more. Song goes pretty crazy. But um, uh, but you can anyways. Like, but and, 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 that's another that's another show. Um, yeah, I'm sure someone will do but it. But I really think of music. Like Heather's the musical has a vibe that this show builds on mm-hmm. um, of a high school musical. <laughs> There's an expression. Okay. But a musical set in a high school about popularity and unpopularity and like adding this extra external ridiculous high stakes element to it which is yeah yeah and not afraid to go dark with it right either, when it needs know. to go dark and yeah. uh, and but, to look at high school as a time that people are starting to become adults so it's not just right. like like the actual high school musical which i haven't actually seen but i presume you it's haven't like actually seen it's pretty musical? fluffy right oh just a tad i've yeah. seen i've seen part of high school musical <laughs> so but my point is it musical? doesn't like treat the characters like they're on the edge of adulthood in no, the way no, that I feel children. like both Heathers That's and uh, Be More Chill yeah, treat their characters school... like they're figuring out how to be adults. Right. But they are, you know, they're and not there's a children. Sight to the future. I mean, there is that running thing in both Heathers, I think in the movie and the musical, but there's this idea of like going to college, which is in this as well, that we're going to, mm-hmm. there's a whole song, we're going to be cool in college. Right. And like, so let's just get through this and we'll be fine. That Yeah. In high school, they live, they <laughs> get the feeling it's like a Twilight Zone episode where they're just going to wake up and it's going to reset and they're always in high school for eternity. Sure. Um, God, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not as bad as high school musical too. So, so but the the big parent though to me of this of this show is Little Shop. Little Shop, absolutely. And and Joe Iconis is like in a fascinating backdoor him. kind of way. And I really like the the fact though that that's not in the book. That right. This was yeah. obviously a decision upon adapting it to make it because the ending is straight Little Shop. Yeah. Where this yeah. like this thing is this voice, the squip who is a physical manifestation yes. on stage, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this character of of the squip. Is go is trying to is infiltrating every character on stage and then trying to take over the world. And yeah, in the production they had like a catwalk above, so he was just sort of like looming over things, being ominous. And most they have of to the kill time. him using Red Mountain Dew, which yes. is just such mm-hmm. a nice. Which I guess is also not in the book. No, yeah, wow, that is so specific. Wait, or was it? Okay, we don't have to do no, this because I, I don't want to put you on the spot with like what's in the think, book and what's not. I don't not. think it is. It's certainly not as big. Well, how do they kill him? Or do like, they kill him? I mean, that's the they they do get rid of him. Okay. It might it might, might be, be in the book, Mountain but Dew. it's not. I think in the book it doesn't really it doesn't build up Michael's '90s nostalgia aspect. Okay. So it's sort of like so it might have something different. It might just be some. Other but it's sort of like why would they? Why would this be a thing? Like, but I think in the book the book might be old enough that that Mountain Dew Red was still in production. Oh, that's true because the book is set in 2015. But it was published in, in like, like 2005, 2000, and it's intentionally yeah. like 10 years in the future. 
which is interesting that that's pretty much when the musical came yeah. out. Yeah. It, yeah. It was like 10 years. So that's pretty good. Um, it, I think just overtly, though, just for that, like, that the, the nanotechnology pill would be more possible 10 years in the future. Sure. Much like, sure. Like, like, we think it would be 10 years. Like, in 10 years, we'll definitely have that. We said 10 years ago. And, well, we'll say and, that now. and you know, it's, it's, it's not infeasible. No, certainly yeah. not. It's not but. preposterous. But it's still not here. <laughs> it's not here 12 yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe that's a good thing. Well, as I, far I, as I scripts are concerned. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting I, – I, 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 listening to this, I really had no idea what to expect. Like I said, I had never heard of mm-hmm. Joe Iconis. I, I didn't know anything about it at all. Uh, it never played in New York, which instantly gives me like, all right, you know, like how good could this be? Kind of unfair. Well, it's still slide. it's still recent. So well, it is still know. very recent, but it gives you that kind of feeling of like, like what what kind of level? Obviously, it has a cast album on Shikaboom, so like it, it's notable. I mean, Joe Iconis is a cult new musical I, theater I guy. That reading, yeah, reading so you know. Page. Um, I was ashamed. I have to say that I have have personally edited that Wikipedia page have on really? multiple Ooh, instances. All right. So um, you can blame me if things are out of date. Sure. Uh, well, we just can't but also that tells source. you something about what level. I probably shouldn't admit these things because you know Whatever. this is this is going out into the world. Into but the wor- well, I'm that level of fan. Okay. That I uh, edit his Wikipedia. All right. Well, that's page. good. That's a, hey, I dedication is great. But what I was going to say is that it is what I was really impressed with with this show, which is is the build that it seems to me, and this is a really not common thing, I think, that the songs get better as the show goes on. Like, honestly, all my favorite songs are in the second half of the album. And getting even the little ones, like when you love someone, you put on your pants. When you love somebody, you put your pants on for them. When you love somebody, you take a chance just for them, chance just for them. If the road gets muddy, focus on the gold till the rough stuff's gone. When you love somebody, you put your pants on. That is just such a great, it's such a great I moment. laughed out loud in the theater and my, so did my parents and no one else in the theater was laughing <laughs> really? out. And I was like, especially because the, the build is up to that is much better in seeing the show. I because imagine it is, yeah. There, there's nothing else on the album with the father in it. But there's like this whole arc of how the the, fa- the mo- mother has left and the father doesn't even put on his pants anymore. And right. he's just like lazing around, right? And so then like it builds and you don't really think it's going to go anywhere. And then you've got this hilarious number. I, I, yeah. I mean, and, oh, and it's so funny. I mean, it is just. And, and, what, and the bonding between yes, Michael between and Michael the father. And, fa- and, he's, and, he has and that the kid line. is so uncomfortable. Like just. You gotta go put on some pants. We gotta, we gotta remedy this pants situation. Well, and he says the great line: "If I try harder to be his friend, you have to try harder to be his dad." There's a Coles down the street. I don't care what kind: jeans, khaki, leather. You're not leaving that store until you buy a pair. You drive a hard bargain, son. When you love somebody. You put your pants on for them. Wear those pants. Somewhat reluctantly. Still, you gotta go. Oh, 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 oh. When you love somebody, you put your pants on for them. Metaphorically. Sometimes actual pants really are pants. It's a classic study. It's such a great one. Yeah, no, it's some. Who's I, the adult? Which is an I love that song. Tomorrow. That's an excellent YA T 
teen movie thing. It's like, who's the adult? The adults are the kids, which is, again, a theme from Heather's. Um, but I think from, like, Michael in the bathroom forward, I was 100% invested in this show. Yeah. Which is really when it started to remind me of Heather's, because, like, that's how I feel kind of from Our Love is God on, or even, like, Kindergarten Boyfriend. Like, there are these, like, deeply emotional songs later in the show than you would maybe expect them. And then... Mm-hmm. It doesn't, but the show doesn't peak. It continues to it continues go, to build to through build to, to the, the end to its absolute end. finale. Yeah. And it, it's a problem with a lot of musicals where they kind of peak somewhere like late Act One, usually with the Act One finale, and then Act Two is like forty five minutes and it's fine, you know. <laughs> but like sure. what you what you and you they reprise the opening at the end, so you're humming when you walk out of the thing and it's fine. But this really like I, I all the best songs are in the second half, and that is that is really unusual and impressive that as the story gets tighter and more interesting the songs get tighter and more interesting and I am so happy it has a musical finale Mm -hmm. which is not something you encounter a lot that the finale is actually a musical where people come in and sing different themes and you hear like characters reprising themes that we meant earlier and it ties together and then it builds and it completes it's not just a scene. In, a, in something this plot heavy, there's usually like a scene at the end, not a musical number, because it's really hard to get out the dramatic thrust of a musical in a musical number, like a dramatic thrust of anything in a musical number. You need to have like, die, like the tendency seems to be to just have a scene, wrap up the plot, and then we'll have a big closing number that has nothing to do with anything. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that I love about voices in my head in particular is that not only it, it manages to sort of wrap up all the things, you know, need to be wrapped up, um, but it also introduces it like it sort of expands on the thematic elements in a way that you're left with something new that is right. not just, OK, how do these two get together? How what happens to all the characters, you know, epilogue situation? And it's not just good music. It's. Also, you know, sort yeah. of expanding on the idea of what does a voice, what is a voice in your head in a world where maybe you don't have a supercomputer in your head? Like, what are the forces that we struggle with to figure out what our identity actually when is? When I really, I love the lyric. And any voices in our heads, there might be voices in our heads, but I swear the voices there will the regular kind me and the voices in my head have made up our collective mind what do they say we should do i think that all of us want to go out with you really yeah yeah i mean everything's pointing in this direction kind of thing like for the in in this moment like all my everything about me all my insecurities and good like are are headed towards you like this is all good and that's that's the ideal i really really love also the fact that the squip is not dead it's not yeah there's there's that little but it's still there and it's because jeremy's voice is the loudest but right you know and it does i like it still in there but it doesn't overplay it either like the squip comes back and he shouts it down and it does recede, but he has to shout it down. And it's this really nice moment of being like this. this it's, it's, it's a nice, slight, open-ended finale. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just a little to be like this isn't – because you can end the show one of like three ways. You could end the show the way they ended it, which is the correct way in my opinion. You could, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> objective truth. You, you could end it Little Shop style. Where the squip does actually take over the world and is like in your drinks that you're drinking right now in the theater. You could like break down the fourth wall. And that could be fun. That could be fun. But 
the problem I have, I and and like I'm going to be talking about Little Shop soon, so I have to save some of this. Um, but the problem I have with that finale of Little Shop is that it. The problem with with the everybody dies ending is that the I guess spoiler alert if you don't know how Little Shop ends is that all of the emotional journeys the characters go on get kind of flattened because they're all killed and I am all for heroic finale of like character has self realization and then is dies in a heroic way but like when they die and like it, it, they do really take it all the way in Little Shop but like you know it's it's coming to kill everyone and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be harder to do with the script because then everybody would sort of have to be automatons and then like come to the audience. It's just, it feels, it's so bleak and it feels like yeah. a cheat. And this strikes, now the other ending is of course to go in the complete opposite direction. You could also double back on it and have like the script come up at the end and shout Jeremy down, I guess. That's like ending 2A, which is a little on the nose, I feel like. It's like, oh God, it wasn't really dead. We thought it was dead. Yeah. But the third ending that they avoid gratefully is the the script's gone and we're all happy and fine now. And it's that's that's such a disingenuous finale. This strikes the perfect tone of like him being like, I'm cool and the voice in his head being like, No, you're not and him being like, No, 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 I am, I am, I am and it quiets down, but it's like it's just sitting there and you, you just know it's gonna come back and Yeah. As it does. It's in, part of part of life that he's gonna world. deal with. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Because he's a person. But we still get, you know, sort of a happy ending, ultimately. Sure. You know? and so, you know, I think it does, it strikes a good balance because it, it needs to fulfill itself both as like a YA almost rom-com and as a sci-fi horror uh, piece. And I, I mm-hmm. think it, it does that. Okay. So as a, y, a YA fan, you... Question sure. Mark? Yeah. Let me phrase I mean, that as a question. I don't, Do you read a lot of why? I I used to read more, but I I still read some. Okay. So as an adult, reading any probably makes me a YA fan. And as a confessed sci-fi fan, as you Absolutely. just said. Yeah. So what are the rules that you think that those two things, either what they have in common or where they diverge? Like, what's the? Well, I mean, obviously, like there's a lot of overlap because those, you know, what your age audience is and what your mm. genre is are, you know, right. Not. Mutually exclusive. Thing. That is true. Um, but I mean, I think, I think with the sort of like high school story plot line, especially one like this that that does from the beginning sort of, uh, you know, you have a friend plot line and a romantic plot line for your teenage protagonist, and so I think in the end, uh, you're you're probably going to have a friend re- reconcil- reconciliation, right? Um, and you're probably going to have some sort of initiation of a, a romantic relationship. Right. Um, and we do, we get both of those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm generally, as far as like rom-coms go, I'm I'm a fan of them not working out. So I, you know, I would totally be a fan of Christine being like, yeah, no, actually, you know, you kind of screwed this one up. But, but I understand why most people would be not so fulfilled by that and, and why, uh, why you might choose to make it work out. Well, before we get into sci-fi, I want to back up on that. I mm-hmm. think Christine is an interesting romantic uh, pairing for, okay. for Jeremy because she isn't the popular girl. She isn't... Yeah, um, she, I mean, she's the theater girl. Right, exactly right. And she has her own problems. And she and the first totally. time you meet her, you hear all about how she's ADD and she has all these things. And her song's a little wacky. I have magic, antic feelings, red and frantic feelings about most everything. 
That's the girl he likes, and it's this really. So at the end, he's not being paired up with a Heather. He's being paired right. up with Winona Ryder. I mean, he's he is with the girl who is attainable and is on his level and is a good match for him emotionally, and that makes it uh, makes her kind of an untru- in a way that like if it was the unattainable girl, and they went through the whole thing, and then at the end, like that girl would have to break up with him, I think, because that's not like. And if if she didn't, it would feel cheesy. It would feel, it would exactly feel right. wrong yeah. in a way that that you do sort of feel like, as much as all all of the jerkiness that he does, he has sort of shown that there's potential for that relationship Absolutely. not to be terrible. You know that right. that he he cares about her and the things that she cares about well, and, and they have wants, common interests and you know and he wants her he wants all of her i right. mean we don't he, really hear it but there's I'm, I'm sure a moment i mean where he where the script presents her drugged up her or squipped up her to him and yeah. she's like it's just me it's just all my insecurities are gone and i get the subtext of that to me being like that's what I liked about you. I liked all those little insecurities and those those weird things. Like, that think, made you you. And there's also an agency thing mm-hmm. going through the whole piece. You know, obviously, with the squip, you're going to have to deal with the issue of, of what agency is in that situation. Right. And I think there is something, like, super creepy that even Jeremy with the squip recognizes about this idea of, like, presenting her um, in a situation where... She's being controlled for his benefit. Right. Um, and and even with the squip in his head, he knows that that's not cool. Because you have to surrender to it. Yeah. Right? I mean, you have to – he tries to fight back against it at the at the beginning. Um, the the One of the popular girls uh, offers him a ride and right. he tries to – he says, oh, well, I – you know, I, I have to meet up with Michael – and the squip is like, no, you're taking this ride, and he he does give in to the squip, but a lot of the the but it story doesn't take would control of go, him. He he d- he opts he, in. He opts in. Yes, and that's that's a big that's thing because you know it's all about agency. That him right. him opting in, the the idea of taking the upgrade, um, is a big thing. You know that they're choosing to embrace the lack of control uh, that that comes with taking. Orders from a super right computer. for somebody else making the decision. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is what and he Christine wants. Christine acknowledges that she found it sort of liberating to right. to not have to make her own decisions. Um, yeah. when when she's script as well. Yeah, they all seem to. Yeah. I mean, in a very like clear, which is you know that is decisions are hard. And yeah, they are. are they fun. are, and not fun. Um, but that's what that's what we are. We are the sum total of our decisions, so it doesn't work. Um, so that's the YA kind of component. So let's talk about sci-fi. Yeah. So for a um, sci-fi. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he he has to for as far as the sci for this particular. Obviously, sci- I'm talking all over the place. 
Uh, there's a lot of types of sci-fi, but the, for the right. type that this is, you know, we've got an element of... Alien invasion uh, computer <laughs> sci-fi? Uh, yeah. We've got a sort of technological creepiness uh, coming in then and taking control of things. So you need the human element to realize that, you know, humanity has, uh, you know, something about it that makes being taken over by creepy technology undesirable. Because it, it's kind of an alien invasion story, Yeah, in yeah. the same way that Little Shop is, really. I mean, it is this, like, this thing needs a host to survive. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we don't, it's not, like, literally from another planet. It's from no, Japan. No, it's from Japan, right? Um, <laughs> Which is a very good lyric. So, it's like drugs? <laughs> it's better than drugs, Jeremy. It's from Japan! It's a gray, a long pill Quantum nanotechnology CPU The quantum computer in the pill Will travel through your blood until And it plants in your brain And it tells you what to do It tells you what to do But yeah, it's, it's invading the, their their school at least and maybe the world eventually well, um, the world apparently already that does get a little yeah. murky at the at the end when the the squip tells jeremy when they figure out that mountain dew code red that they, they had re- they retired and it. they retired it because it was canceling the squip it does raise this moment of just like that's a little yeah of like just for a second of wait a minute like who is they who are we what are you is, and if, how if everyone is already squipped then then what are the limits of the, yeah well, and I mean, how I think telepathic it's... is the squip at that point also because like for before that I always feel like it's just it's the squips in you and it's running it, it's talking to you and it knows everything about you but then it's, it, they can communicate with each other the, the squips in different okay. people that, that was the part so yeah, yeah so I, some of this I think is actually because there are lines that are not on the cast album well because that happens you know, is that what happens at scenes. the end just for my own clarification mm-hmm. where Jeremy Michael tells Jake to hold Jeremy down and pour the Mountain Dew and then yeah. it turns out Jake then, is squipped then Jake is squipped okay. so, so he so knows the, what's the up he knows not to interferes. do it okay. yeah and then there's also you know bonding between people who have fought earlier in the show because right. they're their squips are communicating, communicating and, and deciding other. to reconcile. Okay. Um, and then they end up saying the same lines at the same There's time. There's a really nice use of auto-tune at the end. Was that used on stage? Um, yeah, they did all sorts of cool voice distortion yeah, stuff. Yeah, there seems to be a few moments of that, which I really yeah. fit very nicely with what and, – and are correct. Like, if, it, it's a nice – Yeah, well, and you've got you've got one of the rare uh, orchestrations with a theremin in, in it for oh, the – yes. For this score, that guy so sits there. It's awesome. For two hours in front of that box, waiting for his but, turn. But it's it yeah, works. It works. No, I mean, it, I it, it does the sound. It's like that the vibra slap person in the orchestra. You're just like, I'm just, but. I'm coming, I'm coming. The show needs a theremin. Yeah. The show needs no, synthesizers. This show needs uh, auto tune. The show needs all those things because they're they're absolutely earned in this in this sort of otherworldly sci-fi, as we say, environment of this show. So, the other element, though, that sci-fi has to it. Because this has kind of, like I say, invasion, but also this sort of Twilight Zone vibe to it, Mm. especially at the end. Do you think the squip is allegorical? I mean... Because I struggled with that a lot. I think in the world of the the musical, there is actually a supercomputer in his brain doing things, I think. Oh, certainly. But what I mean by that is that, like... I mean, I think, obviously, you're supposed to... 
Because it's not drugs. Like I mean, oh, the thing you mean is, like is it supposed is to directly the, is the mean? Script an allegory I think it's, for something it's else. more. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know if it's directly the characters allegorical. Do drugs, that's what I'm saying. So it's not drugs. Like, no, yeah. it's, I I think it's more like peer pressure than anything else. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure it's supposed to be directly allegorical. Yeah, because um, it doesn't. It which is which is good. I mean, I think because that can always be boring. Because obviously, like, yeah, and I, I I don't think that anything works quite the way you know in terms of right. telling you accurately how to achieve. I think if if it were just peer pressure, it would be less effective for Jeremy because. People like at the in voices in my head would tell him the wrong things. Well, because it not only tells him what to do in given social situations, but it also does things like, unbeknownst to him, it phases Michael out of his life by right. Yeah, it blocks his his, his optic nerve. Right, and like it releases pheromones when he's with the girls, and it it, it it does a lot of things. So it's yeah, I don't I don't think it's really allegorical. I think it's it's just. Exploring themes more than that. Yeah, because it doesn't. It, yeah. it doesn't. Fit the, whenever you have something like this set in a high school where somebody's got a thing and it'll solve other problems, there is always that. That's the first thought. Like, oh, it's about drugs, or oh, it's about peer pressure, or it's about. But it's not about any of those. Well, things. and it, it, it gets messed up by drugs. So, like, well, when right. you're drunk or high, you that's can't. Right, it doesn't work. Uh, that's you right. You can't get your messages from your squib. Right. Yeah. But you can't be drunk all the time. Nope. So that doesn't work. No. Nope. As we learn. Oh yeah, here's another random plot question. Does Rich, Rich doesn't burn his house down, does he? Or does he burn the house? Rich down? does. He burns, he burns the Jake's house. house uh, I don't know if he burns it all the way down. Like they're they're over dramatizing right. it, but he he sets a fire in the house at the party in an attempt to somehow fry his squip. So the oh, the idea okay. is he needs Mountain Dew Red to get rid of the squip, but he doesn't have access to it, right? Or he doesn't know how to get a hold of it, right? Um, and he's he's freaking out. Um, okay. So he's which happens in the scene. He I has assume. a breakdown. Yeah. Okay. At at the Halloween party. Okay. With, you know, after Michael in the bathroom. Right. Um, and at Christine and and Jeremy have a a sweet moment of you know right. connection, and mm-hmm. then Rich and then Rich flips has, out, freaks okay. out, yeah. Right. Um, and Rich is the one who has the script, the squip. He wanted yeah, you to call it the, a squip or a squib, and it's not. It's a squip, which it's a squip. is a super hard word to say. Yeah, yeah. he has the squip from the beginning of the show. Right, and he's the um, one who and tells he introduces Jeremy, about Jeremy to the idea, right. yeah. Okay, and sings that great song, bringing it in. Yeah. yeah, the Halloween party is interesting, and again, another thing, like, the two big things about Heather's that this struck for me... We're just going to spend like 25% of the show talking about Heather's. Is um, the opening number, which is very, very much like Heather's, where it's a long musical number. It's And not unique to Heather's, I should say. But it's a long traditional musical number where you introduce all of all your characters, characters in a rush. And they all have slightly different musical themes. And they all kind of slightly. I mean, Michael's introduction is amazingly funny with him listening to reggae music. And just like he's just this happy guy. Michael! Jeremy, my buddy, how's it hanging? Lunch is banging, had my sushi, got my slushy and more. The role was Maggie Maki, and I'm feeling kinda cocky, cause the girl at 7 left gave me a generous pull. You're listening to Bob Marley again, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I'm listening to Marley, and the groove is selling gnarly, and we're almost at the end of this song. Yeah, that 
was the end. Now tell me, friend. How was class? You look like ass. What's wrong? Michael is, is probably my favorite. He's a great character. I just, I love, I, I also identify the most with Michael in the show, so. Well, and that's why I felt like, and that's why I say, like, the second half of the show has such resonance because Michael in the bathroom is a truly sad, honest song in yeah. a in a way that is rare. It's the first song from this show that I knew because it was the one that they did at Joe Iconis concerts oh, okay. before the show was a thing and like we didn't even know that it was necessarily from it's, a musical in the beginning. It, it, it's it's it's, it's so great. It's, I mean, I listen to this. I mean, I, I listen to music like so many people when I'm doing other things. And so I was cleaning the garage. So I was listening to this for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm focused and I'm doing the thing. And I had to stop and just sit and listen to the song because it was grabbing at me in a way that I just really wasn't expecting and hadn't happened. You know, there's a lot of emotional moments and things and, and things that I thought were great. I was enjoying myself. But it was this sort of grab you by the throat and make you listen for a second moment where a character who isn't the main character has this real clear, terrible. <laughs> and wait, I rem and, it, and what the other thing was is I remembered that feeling of being like I I'd never been to a, like a, a typical high school party like that where everybody's drinking mm -hmm. and I'm like in the bathroom crying. That hadn't happened to me. But I had been sort of like everyone's been in social situations where you've had to shut yourself off from what's going on because you're having a terrible time and then you have to reemerge. Yeah. And you know this isn't going to be good. Like no matter I, – and he has all those great things where like I rub my eyes and say something, I got something in my – like he has all these excuses as to why he's going to And he knows like, everyone's just going to think it's it's pot because that's right, the, the that's image that – that he has. And it, it, that's the moment where it snagged me is this moment where he like sort of realizes no one's going to care that he was that crying, in the, like crying in the bathroom. And yeah. that's sadder than everything. It's just like he's at first afraid everyone's going to make fun of him because he was crying in the bathroom. And then he realizes actually no, no one one's going to care I was crying in the bathroom. And, and it, Jeremy's the only one who would have cared. And, and the whole gone. point, the whole reason he's crying in the bathroom is right. that Jeremy doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care, care about, about him, him at anymore. All. Yeah. I am hanging in the bathroom at the biggest party of the fall. I could stay right here or disappear and nobody'd even notice at all. I'm a creeper in a bathroom cause my buddy kinda left me alone. But I'd rather fake pee than stand awkwardly Or pretend to check a text on my phone Everything felt fine when I was half of a pair Now through no fault of mine, there's no other half there Now I'm just Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party Forget how long it's been I'm just Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party No, you can't come in I'm waiting it out till it's time to leave And picking at grout as I softly grieve I'm just Michael who you don't know Michael flying solo Michael in the bathroom by himself Yeah, no, one of the things 
things I really love about Joe Iconis is he does these songs that are like pretty heartbreaking, but also like have these little quirky, funny aspects to them that like you almost want to laugh, and then you're like, but actually, heartstrings. Yeah. Um. So like, like one of my favorite moments in the show is. Um, when he's talking about the drunk girl singing along to Whitney Houston. And I hear a drunk girl sing along to Whitney through the door. I want to dance with somebody and my feelings sink because it makes me think now there's no one to make fun of drunk girls with anymore. Now it's just yeah, well, and, and Michael at the beginning of the show is very sort of comfortable with his position in the social oh, he's strata. Fine. He's, he's totally fine. He doesn't want particularly he's want He's having a, a great day. He got ex, he got extra slushy at 7-Eleven. Exactly. And he's jamming at Bob Marley. And he's, he, he's but, great. But you realize that the reason he's fine with where he is in his life is because he has this great friendship. And he feels comfortable with that. And, you know, once he his, his bestie goes off to try to be popular and leaves him there... He's not. He's not quite so cool with the fact that that he's off the the sides of the social right, which is an hierarchy. interesting problem because he, he he it's the kind of character who would normally go through this sort of realism. Like if this were a rom com, he'd be mad that his friend was dating this girl and not spending time with him anymore. Like that would be his struggle. What makes him great to me is how complete and and problematic he is. Going forward, like even at the end of the show, like I have a, and maybe it's just like this knowledge I have being my age and having seen these people like go through their lives, but being like, because at the end, like you say, it, it's not that everything's fine. It's that everything's better than it was at the beginning. It is all better than it was in the beginning. I, I would really, I would kind of agree with that. Because at least, I mean, Jeremy's very comfortable with who he is. Yeah, and he's definitely he's learned really, something. And other characters have kind of The father resolved. has has sort of come back from... His, uh, you know, total depression right. He's situation. Pants. He's wearing pants He's wearing again. Pants. And uh, so characters have grown. But, like, I, the character I'm, I'm most worried about at the end is Michael. Yeah, and, I mean, it's yeah. true that in some ways Michael hasn't really changed. I mean, he saves the day, really. He does, yeah. He saves the day by being a 90s nostalgia guy. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, he gets his friendship with Jeremy back. But... You know, is is he in a better position? But it needs position? to grow. I mean, that's the thing is that Michael's maybe, not. Maybe Michael not. hasn't. You're right. I mean, Michael hasn't grown at the end. In or maybe he has. I don't know. Like it, that might be a little harsh to to say that to. Yeah, him. I mean, we don't see too much of him in the the closing number. Right. So I mean, he's he's like there with everybody. You know, he's yeah. an ensemble member as far as right. as voices in my head is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much he. Yeah, changes in the. This in is the all book? probably because I identify way more with Michael oh, than yeah. I'm comfortable with. I mean, it's really like. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But in the book, he does. He has like a whole. He has a love interest and like a whole other plot. But I. Well, I'm, and isn't Rich his older brother? And I read something about that where like he Michael knows knows about the squib through Rich. Or maybe through his brother. Like, there's a whole. It's a book, obviously. It, yeah, so there's, there's a lot more there's time a lot to play more, around. There's with a bunch. There's a lot of stuff in there. 
that I think yeah. that the musical I have does to stop perfectly you accountable fine for what happens without. in this book. I, I should have reread the the not the no, whole book. You shouldn't book, have reread but, the book. To but do I should this have reread podcast. like the Wikipedia article for the book. No, I read the Wikipedia article for the book, so I'm I'm not. I listened to the the show a lot. Yeah, but so did I. I, I uh, only That's read all the book the do. one time. We're gonna stop so. talking about the book. Forget the book. We're not Forget here. The, I mean, it's it's this it's, isn't writers' corner. Fine, this uh, isn't the writers' almanac. It's a fine YA and kind of problematic YA sounds, sci-fi sounds novel. Pretty problematic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very like broy <laughs> for a nerdy guy. Well, book. that's and that's the amazing thing about another thing I really liked about the show is that how non it doesn't f- there are so many traps the show could fall into mm-hmm. and it deftly up seems from the cast album anyway to avoid all of them. It yeah, doesn't get I mean, bro-y, I think, it doesn't get nerd worshipy, it doesn't get any of that. It's just about I think people it does, doing this thing. You know, it it there are lots of traps that it does avoid. And um Yeah, I mean I think that's part of why I was a little bit nervous going into it, even though I love Joe Iconis, mm-hmm. because reading the book I, I could see a lot of ways that um the the musical could, you know, rub me the wrong way and also mm-hmm. you know, fall into Sure. Into holes that that might be more objective than just rubbing me the wrong way. Sure. No. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many moments where this this story can take a dive into the unfortunate, uh, and it never. I'm glad you liked I it. Tell, I really, really did. I was really not expecting it to have such a to grab me quite in the way it did, and and it, it is really that idea of being like of my expectations being flipped because it is so back heavy. Which I just was not expecting. That is because that's just not usually the usual. I, and I was I was into the whole beginning, so I wasn't un- dissatisfied. Oh, good, because I do think there's there's no, good no, stuff the in the beginning too. That's my point. Like, it but does, it does. It builds. It builds, it really and you does. care more about you know what's you know what people are doing, and but also the music is it's just great. It, in it the starts half. with that like that refrain of the come on, come on, go, go, come on, come on, go, go. I'm waiting for my porno to load. My brain is gonna freaking explode And now of course it's time to hit the road Which means I'll be uncomfortable all day But that really isn't such a change If I'm not feeling weird or super strange My life would be in utter disarray Cause freaking out is my okay Good morning, time to start the day Come on, come on, go, go did sort of start to go, oh God, is the whole thing going to be this? Like sort of that sort of fractured synth score. Because like, I don't know this composer at all. So sure. I'm coming into it totally like what is going to happen? And then it immediately, obviously, it comes back several times, but that is dismissed and we move right, on Right, that's the not show. The, the show. And that's... like the opening number, as I say, the opening number reassured me very well because it has all these different characters come in, say different things, do different things, and we meet the world and I was like, okay, we're fine. Um but yeah, I was enjoying it and I was following it and I was interested, but it really was that sort of hard left turn into uh, Michael in the bathroom. I mean, it is like the moment I absolutely fell in love with. Heather's was twofold. This is, is Our Love is God, which I think is an amazing moment in theater. It's great. Yeah. And which it, it heightens the moment it is based on in the in the movie because the, the line, Our Love is God, is a throwaway in the movie that mm-hmm. they build this whole song around. And, but also the other song that Michael in the bathroom specifically reminded me of is Kindergarten Boyfriend. Last night I dreamed a horse with wings flew down into 
with wings. Oh, okay, that's a great one. It's very much like what you said, that Joe Iconis thing of like, it has this funny idea at the center of it of like she had this kindergarten boyfriend and she and right before she jumps at the end I mean she or she sings the line of like how she wishes they all could go to a big kindergarten where nap time is forever and like it's always snack time and like you know it's all and it's the this, funny heartbreaking is, is, the is so effective oh, it's so, it's so great because it, it sneaks up on you and this and Michael in the bathroom does the same thing it 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 it, it just comes at you sideways and it's really really well structured how it it, it makes you sad, and then it makes you laugh, and it goes back and forth on that. And then it's only really once it's over that you kind of go on balance. My God, that was sad. Like, really how, like, the whole thing was sad. All the jokes were sad. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. It's abs- And then from then on, it's a, it's a roller coaster, like, straight through to the finale. It is just, it just burns you straight through, pausing at 11 o'clock to sing the pants song. The the book writer was new, a new collaboration for him, um, Joe Trace. And it's sort of interesting because I actually, we did a reading of a Joe Trace p- play at Manhattan Theater Club when I was working there. Mm. So I, I had, usually I don't know book writers for new musicals sure. unless they're written by the composer because usually yeah. with like the, the sort of cult new musicals, uh, you follow the composer through oh, sure. their work more so than the book writer. So it was kind of cool for me to be like, hey, I actually know this guy, the, the book writer's plays, mm-hmm. and I know the composer's work. And Yeah, because Joe Iconis writes a lot of his own books. He has, definitely. Theater, right? yeah. um, but sometimes it's good to, to bring well, in no, a book Well, no, it's writer. great. And, would... and they're, they're very compatible in this. Like, you can... Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty seamless. It is so solidly you can't knock this thing over. It is absolutely so well put together and tightly crafted in a way that you really don't often you just don't see. And and not not all of Joe Iconis's work is that way. I think mm-hmm. I think he's amazing and I think his when he writes his own books, I enjoy them, mm-hmm. but I think they're a little bit more messy. You know, they're mm-hmm. a little bit more willing to be messy, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But it's it's definitely going for a different thing with its structure. Sure. Um, and I think for this show, uh, I, I don't think it would work as well with a with a looser. Um, yeah, it's got it is it very needs a tight. Well, it's got a lot of plot. driven structure to get through the plot. Yeah, it has a some, lot of plot. And when you have sometimes a loop. it's more about the jokes and less about the plot, or you know, more about just the characters goofing around and then you can get away with a looser structure yeah some, you know to some degree but. right which is and we've all worked on those shows where there's just like whatever like it's just it, it isn't it isn't as tightly structured as it is but you and i are working on a show right now that it deals, <laughs> has to be very tightly structured yeah, yeah and it is problematic where you have to go like we have to fix it's that thing and i think where an exterior book writer probably really helped is yeah. like someone has to work this plot out from beginning to end in in a, in a hundred minutes and then once we have that, we can then hang all these other great things on top of it. But if that if that spine isn't there, this whole thing isn't gonna isn't gonna work. Well, this is fun, Susanna. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you Thank liked you it. Inter- no, this, this is really could have been awkward because I I do really you know I love the show. Well, yes. No, it, so it was. Well, I'm glad but... I'm glad I'm not the only one going for the esoterica. No, um, no, no, and that's what I want. I want to hear these these shows that I don't know because there's a lot. Yeah, of them. and this is nice because it's something that that probably no one else you're gonna have on here is is gonna be able or or yeah. interested in doing. And I would so. say I would say go get it if you if you haven't heard it. You've obviously I've been playing clips this whole time, so you've you've heard some tracks from it. It the whole thing is on YouTube if you want to stream it and just listen to it once before you mm-hmm. buy it. But go get it. It's it's so great. It deserves to be done. 
all over yeah. the place. It's available through Rogers and Hammerstein. It is for license. So what have you got coming up that people can go see? Um, yeah, we've got uh, Flying V Fights, The Secret History of the Unknown World coming up in June. Which is always uh, a good time. Yeah. Flying V Fights. I don't actually, I, I, I think I'm going to be working on that. Probably. I think it's going to be dramaturgically demanding. So I, I would imagine be, it would be. I should be involved. Yeah. And then the, the, the Jonathan Colton musical. Yeah, we got fall. Jonathan Colton uh, review happening in the fall. Right. So all sorts of good stuff. God bless Creative Commons. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. This episode was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, and Imani Mular. If you like the original cast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It's the easiest way to make sure people find the show. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. My thanks to Susanna Pretzel for coming down and talking to me tonight. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 